Hello and welcome to the latest Mooney on Politics podcast. This one has been recorded early on Tuesday morning, it's a bit after 10am, and as usual it features my most recent broadsheet article or column. Uh, this one looked at a very important documentary that RTE featured just a little over a week ago. And it's, a, it's not an easy topic, but I think it's one definitely that has to be addressed. Because whenever I've written about defence issues, be they on my own website or on broadsheet, I've tended to do so from the point of view that we do not properly appreciate the men and women of Oglick Nehren, the Irish Defence Forces. So whether I was bemoaning our failure to treat defence as a national priority, or highlighting the problems with uh, defence forces retaining personnel, or lamenting the gross underuse of our defence forces and national cyber security, I have often ended up portraying military management as being kind of a hapless victim, as you were. Now, while my depiction, or my benign depiction, of a military management doggedly doing its best in the face of an indifferent political and administrative system is fair in the cases I've just listed, it's not always a story. No fair-minded could have listened to Katie Hannan's compelling but distressing RTE Radio 1 documentary, Women of Honour, and come away with a positive view of military management. Listening to the documentary was difficult, but it's essential listening for anyone with any interest in defence matters. Hearing former members relate their ordeals of rape and sexual assault was harrowing. But then hearing how their senior officers and adjutants responded when told of the tax was enraging. Because these senior officers did nothing. But in doing nothing, they became accessories. Their failure to act against the perpetrators just re-victimised the victims. The whole situation has so many echoes of the sexual harassment scandals that rocked Canada, or the Canadian military, I should say rather, in the late 1990s and again last year. These scandals exposed a systemic culture of harassment and assault of female military personnel. Now, Katie Hannan directly references the most recent Canadian hashtag military me too controversy in the documentary's opening minutes. Katie tells us how a radio report of what was happening in Canada had encouraged the former female defence force members who comprised the informal group Women of Honour to retell their stories. Because they heard how the Canadian military justice system had re-victimised its victims and recognised that that's precisely what had happened to them. They heard how the hostile, sexualized, and hyper-masculine culture, quote, within Canada's military system was allowing perpetrators to continue with their careers, but leaving victims unable to come forward. And they thought, well, that's me too. Katie's documentary catalogues a spectrum of failures that ranges from unacceptable behaviors contrary to Defence Force values and discipline to ones that are simply criminal. These sadly include sexual and violent offences performed by individuals. But the documentary is not just a tale of a few rotten apple offenders protected by colleagues and mates. It also documents many examples of systemic bullying, harassment and discrimination. It specifically tells the story of one female Air Corps officer who was passed over for training and promotion because she was out on maternity leave. Now, having exhausted the internal arbitration and recess systems, including an appeal to a minister, all of which found against her and all of which found no, no discrimination, she took her, say, her case to the WRC, the Workplace Relations Commission. It immediately found that there was discrimination and it recommended that the systems in the Department of Defence and the military be updated before the end of December 2021, saying, and I quote, 
It beggars belief that women should have been serving in the Irish Defence Forces for decades, without the forces systems and instruction ever being appropriately updated to ensure that they reflect anti-discrimination law as it applies to pregnancy and maternity." End quote. The Defence Forces has a separate conciliation, arbitration and redress scheme designed to offer a fair alternative to the normal systems of collective bargaining enjoyed by civilian employees. But those schemes were never intended to operate to a lower or even an outdated standard. The schemes, which consist of the Department on one side and the two Defence Representative Associations, that's PD4 and RACO, on the other, were established in 1991 to compensate for the fact that serving Defence Force members may not join a trade union and thus have curtailed representation and support in the workplace. Indeed, under military regulation, serving Defence Forces may not discuss any matter relating to their service with a public representative, which is why you usually see issues of army pay raised by groups organised um, rep- organised representing the partners and families of serving members. If the schemes that were supposed to deliver enhanced systems of arbitration and redress in exchange for surrendering the right to workplace representation are not updated to replace the workplace entitlements enjoyed by others, then the, Corcat, then the Concordat reached has not been honoured. Now, one way of addressing this wrong is to concede the right of Defence Force represent- representative organisations to associate or, facilit- or affiliate to ICTU, the Irish Congress of Trade Unions, along the line set out in Section 8.5 of the July 2020 briefing given to the incoming Minister of Defence. This was something we looked at years ago and possibly al- allowing the RACO and PD4, if they wish to, to affiliate to, to ICTU and to get all the professional benefits and that and the supports of that, but to do it under licence, a licence that would be decided by the Minister of Defence. By the way, speaking of that July 2020 briefing, which is given to every new minister, it's sad to note that the, it, that briefing only mentions issues of bullying, harassment and discrimination once during the entire document, well, in one section. And that's the section that looks at the independent monitoring group. Now, the IMG was established back in May 2002 and was charged with overseeing the implementation of the reforms recommended in the landmark Doyle report, The Challenge of the Workplace. That report had come about to look at bullying and harassment and discrimination in the Defence Forces and was highly critical of Defence Forces and its recommendations were immediately acted upon by the then Minister Michael Smith and have continued to to form the basis of the Defence Forces and the Department's response since then. Now, as that July briefing notes, the IMG reported in 2004, 2008 and 2014, and each time it has reported progress and culture change, but it's also recommended that further monitoring was necessary. So, as I say, the last report is 2014, so the next IMG report is long overdue. It should have reported in 2019 and 2020, and although the department says it has already prepared the terms of references for, the, for that IMG, two years later the next IMG has even to be commissioned. Now, though the IMG process has been constructive and productive, is it enough in itself? I think the Women of Honour would say no. The 2008 IMG report noted that the, that the number of bullying and harassment complaints had dropped from 27% of all complaints in 2001 to just under 0.5% and I think it might have been actually 0.2%. Now that clearly was progress. Indeed, we hailed it as such back in 2009 when the report was published and the, and the department's response was, 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 was produced. But was it actually as great as we had hoped? 
Was this a sign that the problem had truly decreased or was it an indication that some cases were starting to go unreported? Because that's the issue that must be addressed and it is why the Women of Honour's demand for an independent inquiry must be granted. It's a call, by the way, echoed by the former Army officer, Dr Tom Clonan, whose 2000 uh, PhD equality audit of the Irish military entitled The Status and Roles Assigned Female Personnel in the Permanent Defence Forces led indirectly to the Doyle Report by uncovering a great deal of complaints of sexual harassment and bullying that had been going on in defence forces suffered by, suffered by women who had joined but which were not being acted upon. Now the fact that the problem that the defence forces here is experiencing is widespread and it's not unique to the Irish defence forces should not dissuade the government from acting now. Yes, we could certainly benefit from seeing how others address this problem, but we cannot wait for those people to act. We cannot wait for others. This is a problem here and now and has to be addressed. Because Ireland has a deserved reputation, not just for, profession, not just for the professionalism and excellence of the personnel we send on UN-mandated peace support operations, but for their compassion and their understanding. And I know from my own experience of visiting such operations that the Irish men and women I encountered, be it in Lebanon, Chad, Kosovo or Sarajevo, had a genuine appreciation of why they were there. They had no sense of superiority or disdain. They saw the people in whose country they were temporarily based as equals. They saw them as people whose basic human rights they were there to protect. I personally was so impressed and so touched by the real empathy I heard from these troops on these missions across all ranks when we chatted informally over pints in the mess. As they opened up, you could see just how moved they were by the poverty and pain that they saw around them. Now, they knew the high-end politics that had landed these regions, regions in strife, but their focus was on the devastation that conflict was bringing to the struggling families and communities that they saw around them. And while the cultures and traditions may be different, they still saw families, ordinary men, women and children just looking to get by. Actually, one of the most undertold and reported stories of the Irish peacekeeping experience is the number of humanitarian aid projects that Irish troops have supported and driven in partnership with Irish aid. For example, in Kosovo, Irish troops helped renovate several schools and provided outdoor sports facilities, while in Lebanon, they supported the orphanage in Tibnin, uh, ran, medical, uh, uh, ran medical clinics and aided various elderly care and literacy projects. And by the way, there are examples of that elsewhere where the Irish troops have, have, had, have, been, have, have, have had a footprint. By the way, these were not just PR exercises gauged to win over local trust and to, to grab some media attention. But there were examples of the Irish troops during their own free time and using their own resources topped up by Irish aid seeing what the local community needed, be it a hospital, a school or clean water supply, and delivering it through their own individual effort and support. So how do I reconcile a military culture that fosters these countless examples of caring and compassion with the one that disgracefully fails its own victims of sexual harassment and violence? And the simple answer, the simple answer is I cannot. The two accounts, the two versions are real and true. Which is why I said at the outset listening to the documentary was so difficult. Because across its 108 year history, the Defence Forces had shown itself capable of great caring and courageousness. 
It has also shown itself capable of absorbing criticism and implementing major reforms. Indeed, very few state institutions have demonstrated the same openness to reform as the Defence Forces. But the military management, the senior commanders and the departmental officials will need considerable political support and investment to achieve this reform now. And these are two things that has been denied for too long. It must receive both and it must receive them now. Anyway, that's this week's Mooney on Politics podcast. As a not an easy topic, not an easy subject, but one that I, I think Katie Hannan and her, the team in RTE have to be congratulated for bringing to the public attention. And most, most importantly of all, one for which we must thank the women, the women of honour, those former uh, Defence Force members who joined to serve their country and found themselves in situations that no state employee or no state servant should ever be faced with. The state has let them down. We must not do it again. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I hope you found it informative. And I'll chat to you again next week. Uh, until then, take care and goodbye. Thank you.